this is the Pleasurable Money Podcast. Hi, I'm Megan, and I'm the divine alien driving this here spaceship. I'm a pleasurable money coach with over a decade of experience in finance. During that time, I have learned that a mix of systems and spirituality makes a perfect blend. I have helped hundreds of spiritual business owners heal their relationship with money, and I'm here to teach you how to become money's ride or die. Stop treating money like a booty call using the help of tools like breathwork and pleasure, which will be featured on this podcast. And learn from me and other experts about how to own your wealth. Together, we will break down what it looks like to be in relationship with money and to be in full embodiment with your pleasure. Hi, everyone. I'm going to tell you all about this episode of the Sacred Wealth Podcast. But first, are you following me on Instagram? My Instagram is at sacrednumbersco, all one word. And I am super active on there. You can always find my newest offerings. You can always find everything that's going on with me on Instagram. I would love to get to know you there. And I have got a special offering that I am cooking up. So I'd love for you to send me your biggest fears surrounding money. And I'm going to start creating these amazing little sound experiences with one of my new friends, Therese. And she's going to help me create some amazing meditations for you guys to drop into customized to your exact fear surrounding money so that you can always go back to it so that whenever you feel triggered, this is directly for you. I'm going to record some reminders, some little mantras, maybe some journal prompts, and provide these for you guys. So if that interests you, send me a DM on Instagram with the phrase, my greatest money fear is and then fill in the blank. And I'll start creating those for you guys. I cannot wait. This episode of the Sacred Wealth Podcast is with my new beautiful friend, Alana Kay. She is a kinesiologist, yoga meditation teacher, and mindfulness well-being consultant. And today we're talking about chronic illnesses, fatigue, burnout, and making lifestyle choices and setting boundaries that change and affect your life long term. So Alana, one of the things that she's super passionate about is teaching women to listen to their inner energies and live in alignment with their menstrual cycles and the phases of the moon to really make sure that they are getting the most out of their busy schedules is something that I talk about a lot as well. I teach on this in my one-on-one program, The Sacred Money Method, and I really hope that you get some amazing takeaways from this. It's something that I'm really passionate about because I also have an illness or a, a disease. I've never been diagnosed, but I have these crazy tremors and I literally shake 24-7, even in my sleep, I shake and it affects my self-confidence. It affects my balance. It affects the way I walk. It affects the way I do things. You may have noticed on my Instagram stories, me shaking a little bit, which is why I always try to use a tripod. <laughs> yeah, it's something that's very important to me. So Alana talks about her own journey with holistic healing and dealing with her own Lyme-like symptoms, autoimmune symptoms, and her energy is so kind and accepting and non-judgmental. I just loved having this conversation with her. So we also did an interview over on her podcast. Alana's podcast is called The Energy Shift Podcast. And yeah, I hope that you check out our interview over there. She interviewed me that was super fun. So I loved doing this little podcast swap and I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Hi, Alana. How are you doing today? Good, Megan. How are you? I'm so excited. I know. I'm so excited (laughs) to talk to you too. So um, just briefly in your own words, give my audience a little introduction of yourself. Hi, so I'm Alana Kasakovic. I am a kinesiologist energy coach, yoga and meditation teacher. And 
I'm really passionate about teaching women to listen to their inner energy. So connecting more with the feminine vibes because we live in a masculine world and most of us are more masculine dominated or, or driven. And to start to sort of put in those boundaries, um, to make self-care a little bit more up that to-do list because I feel like a lot of women, it comes to the bottom of the to-do list. And quite often that's where the anxiety and the overwhelm and the burnt out and the exhausted comes in because filling our cup comes last. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because by 30 I'd burnt out with chronic fatigue and Lyme-like autoimmune diseases because here in Australia they don't recognise it as being a disease. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. because they haven't found a tick, for instance, that has it, but because we travel. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a massive problem, especially up here in the Northeast where I am in New York. Yeah. Lyme disease, I know. And I had some friends and family when I was younger had Lyme disease. And yeah, it's a bit of a disease. <laughs> yeah, it is. And luckily, I've managed to sort of get myself back to, you know, a sustainable sort of life. Every now and then I kind of be like, oh, maybe I'm pushing myself too much. Or if I get a cold, it might keep me a little bit more nastier than anyone else but generally I've been really lucky in able to sort of maintain my health and well-being and I changed careers so I was in finance yeah <laughs> good old world of finance <laughs> yeah which I still love numbers yeah of course I'm still an excel spreadsheet nerd yeah. <laughs> I love doing my bookkeeping which everyone's like that's the first thing you should outsource in your business and I'm like I don't know if I can. No, yeah, I don't know. That'll be probably the last thing I'll outsource because I love doing my own bookkeeping. Yeah, so I mean, I use Zero, which makes it really, really easy anyway. But like it takes me about an hour a week and I, I vigilantly stay on top of it because I want to know the ins and outs of <laughs> and you're probably similar too. Yeah, well, I'm so bad because sometimes I let myself get behind and I'm like, I never do this for my clients. So like, why am I doing this to myself, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I pushed myself really hard. I straight up high school, I wanted to do an accounting because I had no bloody idea what I wanted to do, but I like numbers and I like keeping things in check and probably because I was a bit of a control freak and that's how I maintained my anxiety was a sense of balance and check. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't actually get the inter score I needed to get into like straight out of school, um, but I got into an apprenticeship at uh, a power station down in Gippsland where I'm from to about two hours from Melbourne. And I got an apprenticeship there or a traineeship there doing admin. And I told them in my interview that I wanted to be an accountant and go, you know, study, go to university. And they picked me and then they ended up paying for my degree. So I studied part-time including doing my chartering for nine years while I was working full-time. So full-on working full-time and then also studying part-time. That's so funny that you say that because that's exactly my own story. Oh, my God. I paid for my own school, but I worked full-time during the whole thing and I went part-time to school. It took me about nine years to graduate for, with my accounting degree. Yeah, well, I did six years in the degree and then we have like a I don't know, like the Chartering Association. That was three years. I didn't mind the uni part. I hated the chart, like, because it was all multiple choice exams and that's just not how I work. And I was like, oh my God, I'm killing myself doing this. And then through all that time, you know, I'd had two long-term relationships. My parents got divorced at the end of my chartering. I was working crazy hours. I was exercising a lot too, which was trying to offset, but draining my adrenals because I was basically just a energized bunny on high alert on adrenaline. Like I was literally just go, 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 go. Didn't deal with anything. Shoved your emotions to the side. Like I'm fine. I'm fine. Like just keep going. And then, you know, I moved to Melbourne and then it got worse. Uh, and by 30, my body was like, uh, you can't function anymore because you've literally stopped caring about yourself and yeah I found out the week of my 30th birthday I could not stop crying in front of my computer screen I hadn't slept properly for about four or five months and that was it for me I didn't work again for about 12 months wow and that was the universe being like all right if you're not going to take care of yourself I guess we're going to take care of yourself for you <laughs> literally yeah yeah 
And then I found out that I also had, well, Australian version <laughs> of Lyme's disease, but my test actually got sent to the US. Wow. My blood got sent because back then, this was 2014, they didn't do anything like they do now in Australia. And even still in Australia, there's only like two or three doctors that wow. even really treat the disease. So yeah, the universe said, here you go, go and deal with you. How did that affect your money mindset? I mean, how were you set up to take 12 months off? Well, I was lucky that I'd worked for the company for 12 years. And so they, one, I had a shitload of long service leave because I'd been there for so long. I had a hell of a lot of sick leave because again, I'd been there for 12 years and I used to push myself through when I was sick. It's not like coronavirus. Oh, you got a sniffle, stay home. It was, you just go, you just work through, you know, you just soldier on. And two, I never used to take my roster days off and I wasn't very good at taking annual leave. So I had <laughs> all of this, I had a safety net really. Wow. And yeah, which I was actually just extremely lucky. So the, the universe almost said, I've got you. Right. Like, you'll be fine. Go and sort your shit out. It's almost like if you hadn't pushed yourself and not used all your vacation time, then you wouldn't have needed to take all this time off. You know, like maybe you would have. Things happen without our control anyway. Like there's no way that you can know the future. There's no way you can know for sure. Like, oh, if I would have just taken my vacation days, this would never be a problem. It still might have been a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of mine was I was a people pleaser and I didn't know how to say no. I had really bad self-care boundaries or personal boundaries and I just wanted to thrive and you know I was overly responsible at work and also in my personal life with people and friends and you know my partners and my family and it was like you need to just worry about what you need to do and I'd already started so I'd finished my degree and I was like right I had about, you know, six, seven, eight months off. And I had always had this niggling, like I'd always been into like naturopathy or massage and alternative health. You know, I was a child at five-year-old who had an egg allergy and wheat allergy and, you know, couldn't have a birthday cake that didn't taste like a rock. And so I was kind of exposed to that sort of world from a young age. And luckily I grew out of some of those allergies. <laughs> I still can't have gluten and dairy. Um, I can't do caffeine. It does not sit well with me. But that was always sort of in the niggle, like there's more that you should be doing. But, you know, I was from a country town where, you know, when you're figuring out what you wanted to do with school, there wasn't like, oh, here's an atropathy table and here's acupuncture and here's massage. It was all like science or nursing or go to business school or be an engineer. And I, that's all I thought was my options. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I actually started studying kinesiology the year I got sick. So, it's again, like the universe was saying, you can't know some of this stuff now and live life like this. Like they're polar opposites. Yeah. Go fall apart and then rebuild yourself and go and share what you've learned. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like the fall apart was completely necessary for like how you teach now and the power of your message? Yeah, I think it had definitely plays a massive role. And, you know, it constantly reminds me because before, you know, you press play, I was saying, oh, I need to start doing all this stuff myself. This is like that niggling, like you're bordering exhaustion you're bordering old territory like go and sort your stuff out <laughs> yeah and you're like just one more week I can do it by myself for just one more week it's so funny because this week I'm like just block your calendar out and just get it done <laughs> so yeah I think and I'm a big believer now obviously knowing what I you know I'm doing the work that I do that everything in life is a learning and a lesson Every moment of every day can take us in any direction. It just depends on where we're at in that journey. So, yeah, I definitely feel like my story, and I feel like a lot of women find it empowering knowing that they don't feel alone quite often because I mainly work with women and children because a lot of my clients quite often come to me who want to leave corporate, for instance, or want to have a side hustle or are feeling depleted and drained or feeling stuck. 
aren't able to speak up with their partners or their husbands or their bosses, for instance, and finding their voice, connecting back with that feminine energy, you know, the nurturing, the creative side, a little bit of their sort of spiritual side too. So, yeah, I definitely feel like it has shown me, well, I suppose a little bit allowed me to really find what it is that I was passionate about quite quickly. (laughs) Well, speaking of setting boundaries and using your voice, what did you find was the most impactful boundary that you set there at the beginning when you first got sick? Well, I suppose for me, it was hard for me to actually stop. Like, even though I knew I needed to have time off, it was like, shut the laptop, turn off the work phone. (laughs) Because I still like, and I think a lot of people, especially even in just slowing down, for instance, they just find it hard to switch off. So I had to set a really strong boundary that it was like, it's okay to heal. Like it's okay to make this space for myself. I'll go a little bit into my money story here. I come from like, we weren't poor, poor. We weren't rich. We were kind of middle, but more poor side. We never went to Queensland. In Australia, like growing up, a lot of kids, they go to Queensland, they do all the adventure parks up in Queensland. Like we couldn't afford to do any of that. Our holidays were going down to Lake Centauk Caravan Park or to Phillip Island. My grandmother had a holiday house. It was, there's 10 kids that was fighting who was actually going to be allowed to stay there. <laughs> My dad's part of the family. But it was like, you have to work hard for your money. Money is hard to come by. And from the age of like 15 or 16, I worked at KFC. <laughs> but I also had one or two other jobs on the side, which my dad always did as well. Mm. So I also had to have that boundary where it was like you're financially safe and secure to have this space or time to heal. And part of my healing journey was actually debunking a lot of these subconscious belief stories, which is where kinesiology really came in and why I was working quite closely with the kinesiologist because through muscle testing, which is what kinesiology does, it taps into that subconscious part of the brain, taps into the energy of the body and goes, what is the block or what is the stress that's that's not allowing me to have this effortless flow and harmony and equilibrium energetically uh, within my life? You know, what was the driver that got you to the point of complete burnout? And unraveling that and healing parts of my 30 years up to that point that I had literally just pushed aside, especially emotionally and mentally. So, and limiting beliefs was a big part of that those sort of self-sabotages and those lovely little things that we tell ourselves, those in themselves can cause adrenal fatigue. Um, We have a mode in kinesiology, which is adrenal fatigue by thinking. (laughs) Wow. Just like the constant go, 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 the rat race, the literally not being able to switch your brain off or even like slow. (laughs) It's always going like a million miles an hour. Yeah. And you know, we quite often have the same stories on replay. Like, even though you may not be that conscious of them, that, you know, that's these, oh, have to work more or have to get another client or all these things around, especially, you know, money. You feel like you don't have enough money or you don't have that security of money, especially for me when I was having those, even though it was okay for quite a few months because I had all of this leave, it's still because of my upbringing. My dad, there was always this constant thing like, is he going to lose his job because they were putting employees off at the power station? Or so, like, I grew up with all of this scarcity around mindset. Then, when I fell in the hole, it was like, oh shit, am I going to lose my job? What happens if my leave run out? And I kind of had to put in that boundary, you know, you're talking about boundaries where it was like, let it go. You're okay for at least six, seven, eight. Yeah. What if everything was okay? Not even just because our mind is always like, what if the worst thing happens? But challenging that thought with what if the best thing happens or what if this all works out? What if I end up healing myself? What if I'm a million times better by the end of it? Yes. And replacing those cyclical, what if the worst possible fucking thing with something that you can make yourself feel better with, you know? Well, absolutely. And because what can quite often happen when you have 
chronic fatigue or Lyme-like disease is you almost get into a victim mentality or like you kind of become the disease. (laughs) You know, quite often you end up seeing a kinesiologist. I saw a psychologist for a little while. I was seeing an acupuncturist and naturopath and, you know, they're giving you all this stuff, which is great. And then you end up researching Facebook groups and they're all talking about their symptoms. and, And it's like, oh my God, you sometimes feel like that you become whatever it is that's going on for you. This is the thing that really drew me out was I was like, I am going to feel better if I start thinking I'm going to get better, start feeling I'm going to get better and start doing something that lights me up every day, which was my studying. Yeah. So I literally pulled myself out of the hole. It's sometimes easier said than done, but everything we do in life is a choice. We can either keep having those lovely little, you know, I'm tired or I'm exhausted or I'm never going to get <laughs> better thoughts and stories going on. Or as you were saying, we can change them to, oh, my God, I walked to the letterbox. Oh, my God, I made lunch today. Or yeah, I studied a chapter of my book. Like that in itself, energetically, like vibrationally, like which one is going to, you know, help you get better? Yeah, I think. The positive side, which is kind of really what kinesiology does, we go in and have a look at what's going on in, you know, mind, body and soul. So I look at all types of your lifestyle. So it could be your work, your family life, your environments, you know, your friendships. Sometimes we touch on money, looking at the energetics, so chakras or auras. Can you walk us through what a session with you looks like? Yeah, so... Obviously, you come in, we talk a little bit about your history or what's been going on for you at the start of a session, then you would get on a massage table. Now, I also work online. So this I'm talking at the moment more, you come and see me face to face. But online, it's just, rather than you obviously being in my clinic, um, I surrogate muscle test for you. So I would tap into your energy field. We'd still have a conversation about what's going on and then I'd go off and muscle test on your behalf and figure out what's going on. So you'd jump on the massage table if I was seeing you face to face. And then we would through muscle testing. So usually I use an arm, but we can test arms and legs and all different sort of muscle tests can relate to different meridians as well and different parts of the body. And then I start testing your body through muscle testing and figuring out what is going on. So we find out the emotions. Sometimes we're going back in time. So what was going on one, two, three, five years ago? Someone with a male and they're like, holy crap, how did you know that? (laughs) Wow. You do a lot of channeling through that? Well, kind of, but it's your body's giving me the information. Usually channels quite often are just getting information from source or the universe, whatever. I channel your body. Your body gives me the information. That's fascinating. Because the body knows everything that has ever happened to you. So from the time you were conceived, time in in, in womb to birth and up until you come and see me, your body remembers everything that happens to you. And so quite often what happens if there's a build-up over time of things, of stresses or traumas or micro-traumas or events that the nervous system hasn't fully or the body hasn't fully or the soul even, sometimes we're working spiritually, hasn't fully healed or let go or released whatever it is that was going on for you. It kind of gets imprinted a little bit like your subconscious thoughts. You know, usually by the time we're eight or nine, our personalities have developed and sometimes we habitually go back to how did I deal with that situation when I was younger? Or, you know, what have I learned? What's my habitual type of reaction or response to that situation rather than sometimes reacting or thinking the way we want to? We basically just dive in and figure out, well, if I want to change the way life's going at the moment or if there's a stress that's happening all the time or I'm getting digestive issues that aren't healing, what's the factor? Is it food? Is it emotional? Is it because my job is causing some of this? And then we go and basically clear or cleanse the energy, which could be a whole host of things that I do. Sometimes you do have to go and have a conversation with your partner or your box. Yeah. Because that's part of why you've been feeling the way you're feeling or why the emotions have been coming up or why you're getting sore back or a sore belly or whatever it might be. And then quite often people leave feeling much lighter, much calmer, more empowered. Sometimes, because I quite often get people coming in with physical pains. 
they disappear. Every person's different. Like sometimes I would say most people come and see me specifically around one thing, probably three times to fully clear something. But sometimes it's only one or two sessions. They're like, oh my God, I don't know what you did. I'm sleeping like an angel now. Like, <laughs> love that. It depends how deep, I wouldn't even say traumatic, but it depends how deeply rooted whatever it is you're wanting to clear is. Like if you've had this issue since you were eight or nine, one session probably won't cut it because it's like an onion. Yeah. We're peeling back and the body only wants to heal so much in one session or wants to know so much information in one session. Yeah. And I work a lot with women's hormones as well and women's cycles. I also work with kids and their kids with anxiety or issues with school or communicating, sleeping problems, car sickness. <laughs> it seems to be a big one. I still get car sick to this day. Yeah. And some, I do actually see some men as well, but mainly women and children. But it's a really beautiful journey that I get to share with my clients. And yeah, it's really about raising that vibration to where they want their life to be headed and, and going. So that's really kinesiology. Wow. Thank you so much for giving us all of that. That's fascinating because I actually developed pretty intense tremors probably about four and a half years ago. I'm like, I wonder if she's just, because sometimes I'm the same when, when I do podcasts, I'm like, is she nervous? Or? No, it's a constant thing. I shake when I'm sleeping. I shake when I'm awake, but I'm the same way. I can't have caffeine. Sugar exacerbates it. And even like exercise makes it worse. So I'm, I'm very curious. I would much rather prefer to find a holistic cure or treatment instead of getting on like beta blockers or being on a prescription pill for the rest of my life. And this is why I've also done, because I'm obviously a yoga meditation teacher, but I've also done trauma-informed yoga, which quite often when people have tremors, because you didn't have it your entire life, did you? No. It's almost like the body's trying to tell you something is out of alignment or there's a lovely little message or learning here about something. But trauma-informed yoga is basically allowing you to connect a little bit more into the body, so more sensory sort of based. And it comes back to that same notion that the body keeps the score, which is actually a book where, you know, your body's just trying to, like the tremoring for you at the moment is almost like a survival, keeping your nervous system in check. It's the only way it sort of knows how to do that now. And it's like, well, how can I get the body feeling safe and secure again so that I'm safe for it to be like, thank you, but I don't need you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's definitely a physical response to things that I'm doing or things that I put in my body, like the caffeine and the sugar, like I mentioned. And like, if I get tired or, you know, I travel for a long period of time, I'm just exhausted. And, you know, I'm getting older. So like, <laughs> I'm getting older. I'm only 28. You're not that old. <laughs> no. <laughs> what I mean is like, obviously our energy levels shift as we get older. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much of that has to do with the condition that I have, or if it's just literally, I don't have as much energy as I did when I was 17. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. So I would love to know, what are some of the um, treatments that you prescribe at the end of your sessions or the treatments that you work through with your clients? So, I mean, everyone is obviously individualized and I call them more like home reinforcements than, <laughs> than treatments because as a kinesiologist, we can't diagnose per se because we're not a doctor. But I use a lot of like essential oils, I use a lot of flower essences as well. I give clients acupressure points, so different points depending on what might show up in the session, so different meridians. So some of you uh, listening might be aware of acupuncture. The difference between acupuncture and acupressure is we basically just are rubbing the acupressure or acupuncture point rather than sticking needles in. That's what you do with tapping, right? Yeah, and tapping is sort of... One of the points usually on a meridian line and you're sort of just tapping the meridian line. So I also do things like EFT tapping for home reinforcements or a mantra or an affirmation. Sometimes it's giving them a yoga pose or a meditation to do regularly. It could be 
you need to take a day off work once a week. Some of it is like you heal yourself in your sessions. I just facilitate this. But your body is clearly showing that your lifestyle needs to change. So I'm here to support and guide you through that as much as you want. But I literally can't do it for you. Yeah. (laughs) So sometimes there's a little bit of, you know, tough love, which I'm not very good at. I'm starting to become much better at finding my voice as a practitioner because I probably like to be more of the listener and the softer sort of allowing women to feel seen and heard, which is huge as well. A lot of women don't feel seen and heard and being that support for them. But sometimes I do have to put on, you know, my big curl pants and be like, okay, I love you to bits, but this isn't going to change until you leave that job or stop working, you know, extra hours or stop putting your kids first. They're 12 years old. They don't need, you know. (laughs) What are some tips that you have to avoid burnout? So like, People don't even have to seek out kinesiology. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think with burnout, it's knowing how much energy you have in your tank to give every day. So I like to teach women. um, I have a membership called Aligned Living where I teach a lot of tools and I teach, you know, weekly yoga meditation and we do new and full moon events and we have a women's circle and I share lots and lots of information. But One thing I quite often say to them is, you know, wake up in the morning and understand how much energy do I have today? Because quite often what we're doing is we're on autopilot. We've got all these responsibilities and to-do lists, but do I actually have the energy to do all of that today? Mm. We've sort of lost that mechanism to check in with, well, can I actually, and especially if this is over a long-term thing, especially with workloads, is, is it sustainable too? Yeah. So I'd say the first thing is having that awareness. Like, is everything that I'm doing necessary would be number one. Do I enjoy doing it and do I have energy for it? Yeah. Because I feel like quite often we get into the shoulds, coulds, people-pleasing, really lacking any type of personal boundary. So I suppose it's really understanding. And a lot of us, as I was saying, we run on adrenaline is another thing but we run on this go-go mentality that we haven't even taken five minutes to stop and connect in with the body and understand how we feel and what we want and what we need (laughs) yeah I'm just now starting to adopt in the self-check-ins yeah nobody ever told me that I could stop and literally ask myself does this feel good Mm mm-hmm why am I doing this in the first place? Like who said that I had to do this? Is this a pressure that I put on myself? Is this a perceived pressure from society? Absolutely. So yeah, just the fact that (laughs) I'm giving myself permission to just stop and say, wait a minute, do I want to do this? Yeah. Is life-changing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think with burnout, most of us are running on this automatic autopilot where we haven't learned to self-regulate which is what I teach in my yoga and meditation is that self-regulate like it can just be a few gentle breaths okay I'm a bit tired I'm a bit overwhelmed I'm just going to take five minutes to breathe reset check in and then figure out well do I have to do all of this today or can I prioritize and leave some of it for another day because you know burnout is exhaustion is basically meaning there's nothing left in the cup so let's leave a little bit in your cup or substitute and do something like 10 minutes of legs up the wall or lying on your back or deep breathing or just sitting in nature and having a cup of for 10 minutes so I'm refueling a little And then going back to some of these things that I have to do. I think we've also not given ourselves the permission that we can actually stop during our day. Yeah. I remember, you know, working in an office, it's like the pressure is so high to be your max productive. Like you always have to be on. Very masculine. It is. And I now use the Pomodoro method when I'm actually... I love that method. Me too. When I'm doing work for, so I'm doing some contract work right now for a friend who lost one of her bookkeepers. So I'm just helping out during tax season. But I feel like working in an office space, the Pomodoro method would never have been acceptable because it's like 40 minutes on, you know, 10 or 15 minutes off. And then just the energy of 
changing my surroundings, just getting up out of this chair and like leaving the room for 10 minutes. It's so helpful and supportive. Well, we're not machines. There's this patriarchy, you know, capitalism world that most of us in the Western world are living in. Very yang, very masculine driven, very goal orientated, time driven. We females do not run very well on that model because our energy is not the same every 24 hours like men's are. Our cycles are every 29 approximate or 25 to 35, it's based on our menstrual cycle. So you having the, you know, doing the Pomodora method and then taking the break, moving into the body a bit, having a cup of tea, drinking just a glass of water, just shifts you out of that masculine for that five or 10 minutes. Okay, checking in and then going back in is really, really a productive way of allowing that energy or your your sort of cup to stay a little bit more full than if you're going full throttle all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, how has aligning with the energy of the moon or the seasons or your menstrual cycles changed you and how do you teach your clients how to do that? Well, I I was kind of touching on that before, which we all, especially as women, we're all yin and yang. Like we all have components of this masculine and feminine energy, but most of us are living way too much in our masculine dominant energy. And so a way of moving back into the feminine is starting to work with your menstrual cycle. And if you're no longer bleeding or you're pregnant or you're postpartum, then or moving into that perimenopause sort of unpredictability with your cycle, you use the energy of the moon. So women, we as women have been tied to the energy of the moon for thousands and thousands of years. A lot of this wisdom has just been lost, but I feel like it's starting to, you know, the last sort of couple of years, it's starting to become yeah. more, I don't you know, want to say on trend, but I feel like our consciousness is shifting a little bit more into, holy crap, we've gone way too masculine in life and it's been all about money and, you know, when it's like, no, we need to move back a little bit into the feminine sort of side of living and of life. And so each week, of our menstrual cycle has a different energy, very exactly the same as our season. So, you know, we have winter, we have spring, summer, and then we have autumn. Well, we go through exactly the same thing in our menstrual cycles every single month. And the moon does exactly the same thing. So new moon is like week one of your cycle, like your menstrual cycle. So in winter, which is your week one, same as new moon, you know, what do you feel like doing in winter? Sleeping, eating, <laughs> resting, yeah, being a little bit more reflective. What do you think you should be doing the week that you're bleeding? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes lovely little athletes out there, we can't obviously say, sorry, can't have the event on that date because I'm going to be bleeding. Yeah. So obviously we have to have compassion around that. But the whole point of working with your seasons is having this self-regulation you know, or self-check-in every day of your menstrual cycle, every week of your menstrual cycle, knowing, okay, so I'm going to be bleeding this week. I'm not going to organize six events for my business or catch up socially with all these people because usually that week of your cycle, you don't want to see anyone. You want to heat pack, you want nourishing food, you want to read a book or do a meditation or sleep a lot. You don't want to do anything. So you align your life then in relation to where you are in your cycle. So I now... As much as I can, do not see clients the first day or two of my cycle. Oh, yeah. I always block off the first three days of my cycle in my calendar. And seeing those blank days, like opening up my calendar app and seeing that I have nothing, it just is so... So soul nourishing. It is like calming and supportive. And I'm just like, oh, I literally could do nothing all day if I really wanted to. And that would be okay. Yeah. Because I took care of myself ahead of time because I asked yes. Megan took care of future Megan absolutely and a lot of women find when they start to work with the cycles in this way have more energy when it gets to that spring week or ovulation week which is summer week and even into their sort of autumn the dropping the, the massive dip of energy which we quite often find after ovulation which a lot of women when they start tracking their cycle, when they start working with the seasons or with the moon, they're like, holy crap, that really happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that's why the week before your cycle, 
the PMS symptoms quite often start to creep in if you're not looking after yourself properly or eating properly because the body needs different things at that time. You know, it's not the same day in, day out. It depends on where you are in your cycle and what season you're at or if you're, you're no longer bleeding with, you know, what the moon is doing. And when they start to work in harmony with their food and the energy and the emotions that may come up because they change from week to week, they find a lot of their symptoms disappear. They work, you know, in more flow and harmony with their work or business because, you know, I quite often try to run retreats or do events in that ovulation week or spring week. Um, definitely try not to do them when I'm obviously just due to bleed, although I am not one of these sort of, I just don't have that luxury. I wish I was like, bang on 29 days. That would just be a dream for me, but I'm not. (laughs) My cycle is, I think it's more like 32 or 33 days. Yeah. So it runs on the longer side, but I've even like noticed since I've been tracking my cycle, how inconsistent it is. Yeah. And I haven't been on any kind of birth control for, I think it's been about three years now. So it, and it feels so good to know that my body has no outside hormone influences. Yeah. And I don't think I'll ever go back to being on birth control. No. And like I was on birth control, it took nearly 10 years. So I came off it just before I hit off bottom with chronic fatigue. So I had not just the fatigue, I had hormones doing crazy things. I had Lyme, autoimmune, just like I had lots going on <laughs> when I fell apart. Yeah. And my period disappeared for about 12 or nine, 10 months. Wow. Yeah. Because that can happen too when you come off birth control. Like the last week when I was on birth control, I was an emotional mess and I didn't realize until I had come off just how it really wrecked my digestive system. It was also a contribution to my anxiety and emotional. The last week before, I just turned into an emotional wreck. But when I came off it, I was like, what was I doing for 10 years? <laughs> yeah. Birth control is like Panadol for doctors these days. Like, okay, so those teen years, which I have my winter project is creating a teens course. Oh, wow, wow. For menstrual cycles because if you could learn this stuff even before or just as you're starting to bleed, oh, my God, it will change your life. But it can take, your hormones can take five or six years to start to regulate when you first get your period. And so girls haven't even had the chance to self-regulate and they put them on birth control. Yes, there might be pain, but what are they eating and what's their sleep like? What's their stress levels? You know, how can we support them so that the first thing isn't just to go into birth control? Because it can cause a whole host of problems in itself. It has a place, but I feel like it's given out way too much and not looking at root causes again. Absolutely. And, you know, if I had had any more information than my doctor had given me. Like I got on birth control because I was taking Accutane at the time. Oh, yes. And, you know, it's super detrimental if you were to get pregnant while on Accutane for the baby, for yourself. And I wasn't having sex at the time. I think I was 16 or 17. But it was like you either go on birth control or you can't take the Accutane because you have to be on two forms of birth control. You have to do condoms and birth control pills. Or else you don't get to take the Accutane at all. And so I was like, my acne was so bad. And I was just like, of course, I'm going to get on the birth control because yes, I'm 17. <laughs> and it's very self-conscious for girls at that age, like totally get it. Yeah. But then what can happen is they end up being on it forever because it just becomes, they don't realize that they have a choice. Exactly. And I think that the education is not out there. And I think a lot of the issues that come up with hormonal birth control, I never had a doctor say, well, this could be caused because of your birth control. Never. No. They're not willing to admit that. Unfortunately, a lot of doctors don't actually even know the real causes that birth control, which is why the holistic health industry has a lot of information out there about the pill because a lot of doctors they don't even know the risks you know they're they're taught in their training this is what birth control does yeah and that's all they know yeah well I could talk to you all night but I'm gonna end with just one last question so what is seed cycling and how do you use it to regulate your period so 
Seed cycling is basically using different seeds at different times of your cycle to help with the different hormone changes and shifts that go on in your cycle each and every month. And when you say seeds, what do you mean? Seeds as in like sesame seeds, flax seeds, pepitas, and sunflower seeds. Okay. So the first two weeks of your cycle, so from the day you bleed or the new moon if you're not no longer bleeding, because it also helps women who are no longer bleeding, so menopause or if you're pregnant or postpartum or postmenopause. So the first two weeks helps with the estrogen. So up until ovulation, we have a few different hormones, but the main one, it just helps to allow the estrogen to do what it's supposed to be doing. And then allowing the folic stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, which helps us to ovulate, do its thing. Because quite often a lot of women who have issues with their cycle, sometimes they may not ovulate. Mm. And some people who have irregular cycles also can have issues at either spectrum of whether it's the first half or the second half of their cycle. So it just helps for me. It really does help to regulate my cycle. So if I fall off the bandwagon, which usually is only for a couple of days during the month, I've gotten quite, <laughs> it's almost like my meditating in the morning, it's become habit <laughs> with my seed cycling. So for the first sort of two weeks, and for those who don't know when they ovulate, quite often if you start looking at your discharge, it will be watery-ish or sort of egg whitey sticky. And other ways you can track your temperature as well every day, which a lot of women do when they want to get pregnant. But If you are having longer cycles or shorter cycles, tracking your temperature can also help you to understand when you're ovulating because usually after you ovulate, it's slightly higher than before you ovulate. Your body temperature is is slightly higher. But with the seeds, we have flaxseed and pepitas in the first half. Uh, And then the second half is sunflower seeds and sesame seeds. And so, for instance, like I'm right now having a smoothie because it was eight o'clock in the morning when we started this podcast. And so in my smoothie, I had, because I'm just finishing week one, I've got beetroot because beetroot is good for when you're bleeding. Also, blueberries is really good for week one of your cycle. I've got black seeds in there and I've got pepitas and some banana. So I basically eat in sync with my cycle. I love that. Because it has made a word of difference for my emotions. But yeah, that's kind of how you work with the seed cycle. Beautiful. Yeah, that's definitely a goal of mine is to align the types of foods that I eat with where I am in my cycle. Yes. More like root vegetables and like potatoes and yummy soups and stuff during my winter and a lot more smoothies and fruits during my summer and thinking all of that. Okay, so I did lie. I want to ask you one more question. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I've got curious. (laughs) Just to close out. So with the current state of the world, what are some ways that you find love and lightness when you feel overwhelmed and angry? Which I think is a beautiful question to end with. Yeah, so I feel like the easiest way for me to find love and light is to connect back with my heart. So it doesn't take very long. Like. You can be feeling angry, but it's just stopping, placing your hand on your heart, taking a deep breath, just coming back to that self-compassion a little bit. It's always here. We always have a heart, our inner love, our inner strength. It's always there, but we just have to remember to connect with it. So regardless of what's going on in life or in the world, just connecting in with our own inner love and our own little hearts can be a really easy way to just release whatever emotions or be with. Quite often our emotions actually just want to be felt. Emotions are energy demanding motion, demanding, you know, our time and energy. So sometimes we just have to be like, okay, I'm angry or hello, anxiety. I like to be friends with mine. Her and I are very good friends. But yeah, just place the hand there and take a few deep breaths. The other one would obviously just sitting in nature. Yeah. Just going outside, putting your feet on the ground and just. Which are two easy and free solutions. Yes. Quick, freeze, easy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, beautiful. So if you had to leave my audience with anything that you want to stress the most or a little one-liner of your favorite quote, what would that be? I think it would be that energy is everything. And what I mean by that is that we have the choice to shift it uh, and change it. 
and that yeah beautiful yeah everything is energy and money is energy and whatever you literally whatever you send your money with or send your energy with like whatever emotion you send it with is how it will be received absolutely yeah all right. Well, thank you so much, Alana. I had so much fun chatting with you and tell us where we can find you and also any offerings that you have going on right now. Yeah. So you can find me over on Instagram or Facebook at alanak.kinesiology. My website is www.alanak.com.au. I have a podcast as well called The Energy Shift. So I'd love for you to come and listen to all my energy shifting tools and tips and guests which you'll find Megan on as well. Yeah. Yes, very soon. And I have, as I said, the Aligned Living Membership, which is where you basically get to learn how to live more in sync with your cycle and get in touch with the energy of the moon and reconnect with your feminine energy. And you have access to me through a Facebook group and can ask me any questions at any time. So that is over on my website as well. And we're actually going to start a seed cycling challenge in May. So fun. Okay. Awesome. That sounds like such a powerful resource. I will have all of that information listed in the show notes. And thank you so much, Alana, for joining us. It was my pleasure. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Pleasurable Money Podcast. If you want to attract more money into your life, subscribe to Pleasurable Money wherever you listen. And if you learned something today, DM this episode to a friend. Reviews help this podcast reach the rest of the world. So if you leave a five-star review on iTunes, it could be featured in a future episode. Love you so much. Bye.